I moved up to Orange County a few years back and I hated it. The city just didn't really seem that interesting and the people didn't really seem that inviting. So I figured I could keep complaining about it or I could get to know the city better and the people that live here more. That's why I started Real Lives of Orange County to see if there was something making the city tick that I wasn't aware of and seeing what the interesting people in Orange County had to offer. So welcome to this podcast. Hey, Brendan, how's it going? Can you hear see me okay? Yeah, I can see you great, yeah. Awesome, man, how's it going? I'm doing well, man, how are you? Doing awesome. Sorry for being a couple minutes late. Oh, same. I thought I was going to be late. I was rushing, yeah, from one thing to another. So totally understandable. Yeah, life's a little crazy. I feel like I can never just like be chilling, always rushing to like the next thing. But always in the end. How's yeah. your day going? Uh, it's going well, man. How about you? Uh, not too bad. Just worked, got out of the gym, rushed home, mm-hmm. and here I am. Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll get some good dinner from the fiance. Ooh, yeah, cool. This- we have this thing where we try to help each other out where she cooks throughout the week and then on weekends I have to cook. Okay. I think I end up doing a disservice because I don't really, <laughs> I usually just go out and be like, you want Chinese? <laughs> you know what helped me is uh, TikTok. Oh, do tell. I just got on the, like the algorithm started feeding me, you know, cooking things and you know, first it was, you know, very esoteric and stuff, but then it started becoming, you know, simpler and simpler. And yeah, so you wouldn't say I've become a good cook by any stretch of the imagination, but have vastly improved. And last week made a, a pretty killer amachuchana, so a nice Italian dish. So is that? I'm looking TikTok. that up. I'm looking that up right now. Machichana? Amachuchana. It's uh, rigatoni, guancale, I want guanciale, uh, like pork, and just tomatoes and stuff. It's a pretty simple recipe, but... I feel like if I try to make this, it would become... It would go on TikTok, and it'd probably be popular for all the wrong reasons. No. (laughs) You're selling yourself short. It's a lot simpler than... Yeah. And, you know, there's great air fryer recipes that I've, I've used and stuff. So, yeah, there's hope. I was an abysmal cook myself, and now I'm, you know, like one or two rungs above that. So anything that can go in an oven or on a on a skillet or on a barbecue, I think I'm okay. Going. Anything That's else? That, we'll see. Yeah, you know, um, the burger or something that you know don't sell short. That's yeah. That's... Yeah, you're inspiring me already. Um, one of the first questions I wanted to ask is you're in LA now, but you said you went to UCI. Did you yeah. go to high school down in Orange County or how? No, you- no. So came down. Um, yeah. So came down from LA. Okay. So you were living in LA and then you're like, oh, I want to become an anteater. So I'm going <laughs> to make my way. <laughs> I mean, eventually I wanted to become an anteater. Okay. It initially started out as shit. USC film school and UCLA film oh, school. Okay. No. And oh, okay. that was, yeah. So that was, you know, that's how it began. But honestly, though, it all worked out in the end because what was great about UCI, I was an English and film studies major. So, Ooh, uh, say. <laughs> oh, which one? English and film studies? Uh, just, just English and comparative lit. Oh, okay, cool. Not as cool as you, but sort of. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, so, for quick, you know, breakdown. Film studies is essentially 
uh, like an English degree, but instead of using a book as like a text to analyze mm -hmm. and critique, you use a film or you use okay. films and, you know, uh, contemplate, you know, patterns and, um, you know, various themes that, that connect them. So what was great about it ultimately was you end up watching a ton of different films from all around the world. And this was, you know, really before, um, uh, you know, right when streaming was taking off. So there wasn't like a huge amount of access to things. You really had to still, you know, ferret them out. And pirating was tough because you know, if it's a foreign film, it's hard to get those with the proper subtitles and stuff like that. So okay. um, I think it made for, in terms of becoming a filmmaker, I think it was what was right for me because it was four years of just a steady IV drip of just all different films from, you know, all around the world. and. Uh, films that were only available on 16 millimeter prints and stuff that they were able to get. And um, yeah, so I, I think it was really, you know, uh, fortuitous that I ended up there as opposed to a US, USC or UCLA film school, which, you know, is a very production heavy curriculum. Mm. And I, I, you know, obviously I didn't go there, but from what I've gleaned from friends and stuff like that, and, mm. you know, just some other uh, people have gone through those programs, uh, you know, it can be a very regimented um structured environment and you know for someone that kind of wants to do more esoteric and uh films that are a bit to the left it was really great to you know view a large body of work from all around the world what films were you guys using as inspiration while you were like studying i want to see if there's any overlap between i took like a few film courses and obviously okay. it's not going to be anything compared to yours but i want to see if there's any overlap whatsoever Wait, real quick where did you go did you go to uci also so I had uh, a similar story. I was trying to, I grew up in San Diego. Yeah. And of course, like every kid that goes to college, he wants to go to yeah. college anywhere outside of where he lives. Um, it didn't work like that. Never does. <laughs> I was still going to school in San Diego State. Um, okay. Actually ended up having a, the time of my life. And to this day, I can't imagine a better place to go to school sure. than in San Diego. It's like super weird because like, I was so desperate to go anywhere besides San Diego that I was like looking at like Riverside, yeah. Chicago, just Absolutely. Chicago is super weird since it has like the coldest climate ever. Um, but yeah, but no, ended up uh, having like a really good experience, studied English and comparative lit and then took like screenwriting writing courses and stuff oh, cool. like that. Awesome. Um, and so the overlap I was sort of looking for, I was like wondering if you watch like Blade Runner or oh, I think... Blade Runner, absolutely. Yeah, intro, I have to do Blade Runner. Intro, like to, uh, I think it was like the freshman year film, like intro to film studies class. I forget what the, I think it was like 85A or something. Yeah. Wait, which version of Blade Runner? Because there's like several different yeah, yeah. versions of course. <laughs> I know, okay, you're really, yeah, making me work for it. I've seen it a bunch of times mm -hmm. before and since then. So it kind of all blurs together. I think it was most likely the whatever the theatrical cut was i okay. don't think that they were you know going real like the you know the deep cut the you know extended edition or anything sure. like that so uh i would yeah if i was a betting man i would say the you know theatrical cut one of the i guess most significant i guess quote unquote significant movies that we watched yeah. was something called thx oh 1138 yeah is that what it is film. yeah uh-huh it's great yeah. yeah is that like yeah. a typical movie that you'd watch in your yeah. course 
Well, I certainly didn't watch it to the best of my knowledge, we didn't watch it in any of the courses I took, but that isn't to say that maybe other classes didn't you know, see it. I think it's a really good, uh, you know, it, 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 a formative film for, you know, not only sci-fi, but, you know, George Lucas who went on to, you know, create, you know, the biggest franchise, you know. That's what I was trying to think, who made that movie? Was yeah. It? So, yeah, so I didn't come to it actually until myself, I didn't come to it until after school, um, after I was done at UCI. Um, mm. But it actually, a recent short that I, I dropped online, um, I used it as inspiration for, because it has a really, um, as you may recall, it plays with negative space, I think, in a really interesting way, especially in that middle section where they're in that big white void. Mm -hmm. And I recently made a sci-fi drama short and, uh, you know, was showing that film to the DP. We we're going through segments of that and just kind of, you know, for the composition of some of the frames, um, we were using that as a, as a reference point. So um, I think it's probably, to answer your question, probably a fairly standard uh, intro to film or film school uh, film, but uh, can't speak to any personal experience with that. But no it's a great film. I like um, it. You should watch it. <laughs> so like what brought you to like looking at, first of all, what's the short called that you used it as uh, inspiration? Yeah, it's called Preliminary Materials. I can um, send you a link to uh, oh, youtube.com slash aleatory but the a is with the at symbol and then l-e-a-t-o-r-y um yeah i've been slowly dropping um uh, short films on there uh over the last year or so and uh should actually have a new one coming out called low life uh by the beginning of next week um but yeah so preliminary materials i can you know shoot you a link to to that and yeah, it takes a woman cryogenically freezes herself, wakes up in the year 2993, uh, is in this big blank void of a room and ends up having a conversation with uh, a hologram that is her exact replica. And that's about, you know, what she is about to face in the new world. Oh, I, I can't wait to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Is it's this cool. where, so I think on your Bumble Biz account, it says yeah. like you're a very surreal Sure. Being it's kind of where some of that surrealness is uh, taking place. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. No, my my uh, films all tend to skew on like the darker side. Even some of the you know ones that are a bit more comedic, they definitely fall in like the black comedy category. On the same YouTube page, uh, I have this. You know, it's very bumbling and amateurish, but it was my COVID 1.0 project when we were all still in lockdown. I was in New York City at the time, okay. and. Uh, ended up linking up with this, uh, you know, great actor and wanted to do something small and he was getting tested, you know, weekly. This was June 2020. So I got an anamorphic lens adapter, a gimbal and rented lights and some sound equipment and just did an experiment as a one man band filmmaker. And that okay. film is about this guy who just makes obscene phone calls to elderly people. So, yeah. So even though it's a comedy film, it still is... Uh, you know, or it's like a black comedy, so it skews more on the darker side, like a bit more, you know, it's not exactly like traditional surrealism, but, you know, definitely, um, yeah, plays with some you know, interesting themes and, you know, bits of reality. Like, is this a black comedy or an autobiography? 
but definitely not an autobiography. <laughs> like three prank calls in my in my entire life, and I think everyone knew it was me. Weren't <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Although I was, you know, did uh, was on the receiving end of one of those uh, oh, no. freeway calls, you know, um, where it's you know. Uh, a friend calls you with another friend on the way for, like, for Mean Girls. That happened to me once, I think, in fourth grade. And, uh -oh. you know, I had some are choice. We, are we getting to that age where we're about to have, like, poop left on our doorstep and then, like, have, like, calls <laughs> sent to us? Hey, are you, is your refrigerator running? Well, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, my God, we came up with that, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, karma. Um, it's a tricky one. But yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to continue having the door stuff, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, to say times are getting crazy. Right. Um, how did you get into filmography, directing and writing? What's the story there? What's the background? Honestly, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Right. I was obsessed with films as a kid. Um, I can, you know, show you real quick. Um, sure. The, uh, uh, I used to, in kindergarten, I was obsessed with Jurassic Park and would go dressed as Alan Grant. This isn't oh. Halloween, but that's me dressed as <laughs> Alan Grant from Jurassic Park just at least once a week. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, as a kid, I was obsessed with films and I, you know, was the youngest. So I was able to see very inappropriate films for my age. Like I saw Seven when I was in third grade. I saw oh, the Exorcist when I was in second grade and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I remember like staying at my grandma's house and being really excited because on some cable TV channel, there was um, uh, the original Predator. And I was so just like, could not wait to see Predator. And yeah, just like with great ceremony, had Doritos and, you know, uh, ginger ale and you know root beer and all my snacks laid out just to like you know uh give the attention to you know Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers um so yeah um so I didn't quite know what a director was and I kind of would perform all these you know various bits from films as a little kid and then when I was about six seven I took the home video camera and started making up mashups of Speed and Jurassic Park with like you know my Jurassic Park action figure dinosaurs and model train sets and stuff like that and yeah just kind of kept growing and then you know got really into skateboarding um you know in middle school and that between that and music videos I think that was sort of the beginning of really kind of understanding what like filmmaking could be in a practical sense because skate videos are, you know, all on standard def uh, video or at least they were at the time, you know, it's like all very accessible and, you know, there'd be like skits and stuff interlaced between um, them. Mm -hmm. And then music videos, some of them, you know, were kind of like more lo-fi, but they were very easily digestible and it was kind of, you know, uh, a single concept uh, for a lot of them. So it was like really kind of sparked my imagination and, you know, just kind of, and there's like some really interesting editing work and you know choice of music that's done in skate videos and obviously certainly um, music videos. Uh, so I think that was kind of a big leap forward in terms of you know understanding what filmmaking could mean for me. And of course, I was still obsessed with films at this time. But you know, as a young kid, you're watching you know you see something like Predator and you don't think like oh I could do that. You know, it was just like costumes and explosions and they're in the jungle and you know Danny Trejo's or no Danny Trejo's and then that one Carl Weathers is in it and you know mm -hmm. so 
Um, yes, and then so just kind of with friends started making uh, just films here and there and continued that through college. And uh, when I was at UCI, I did the uh, 48 hour film competition and I uh, had a under, had some little underground success there. I had a, I got uh, I was given the prompt was to do a romance movie and the prompt prop was a mirror. So I did this uh, film about this guy that's in love with himself and masturbates to his own image and then the, you know has this like explosive orgasm all over uh, a mirror that has a, a portrait of himself painted on it. And it did not get selected, if you can believe what? it. It was, they put all of them on the website so people would watch them and people in class would be, hey, you did that that crazy film. I can't even remember what it's called. I think it was called like New American or something. Um, <laughs> and yeah, or New America or something. And yeah, people would stop me and stuff. And so it was like, you know, people were really into it. So, you know, kind of had a sense that I was onto the right thing. And then just kind of kept going from there and, um, you know, wrote feature film scripts after leaving UCI. Uh, one of them got to the final round of Sundance Screenwriters Lab. Um, you know, started making short films. Uh, one a couple years ago, premiered in the Venice Film Festival in Italy, played some other um, film festivals around the world. And then, uh, you know, was experimenting with like film play hybrid for a while and did this, you know, kind of interesting uh, conceptual piece called Photogenia. And, you know, have been making shorts, uh, you know, and writing feature film scripts since then. And in February, I'll be shooting an independently financed pilot for an anthology series. So we're trying, we're shopping that around now. I'm gonna try and sell that as a series. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the you know, maybe more than you wanted to know, but that is the, you know, biography of me. As no, it's awesome. You're like the most versatile person in the industry I've ever heard. You're writing plays, you're <laughs> writing feature films, you're writing about people masturbating to, <laughs> their own reflections, which is very uh, correspondent to some mythological uh, stories I've heard in the past. So yeah, Thank no, you. I'm, like, I'm like, where do I even start? There's like so much to unpack there. How much time sure. do you have? Sure. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we can, you know, conference my therapist. And... <laughs> the big thing I'm like thinking about over and over and over again, I'm like, how does a 10 year old start to unpack what's going on in seven? <laughs> Yeah, Predator. they don't. They just get, you know, scared and, you know, enamored, intrigued and enamored with it. But it's kind of like a weird, you know, um, yeah, uh, intrigue, revulsion, intrigue, you know, just kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. getting into it. Yeah, It's like a car crash. You know what's coming is going to be yeah. terrible, but you can't take your eyes off it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So shout out to, to David Fincher. Yeah, that's, yeah, seven's, yeah, great. Yeah, it's stuck with me for a long time. Experience. We yeah. had this thing when we were 15, a, fr a friend and I, where we looked on IMDb and our goal for that year was to watch like the top 100 movies ever made. Cool. That's great. And so seven was on there. And I can remember being 15 and still thinking like, oh my God, this is so much, but I can't yeah. look away. Right. I can't exactly. imagine what it'd be like to be five years younger. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was wild, but you know, that's the benefits of being the youngest at that point, you know, parents are uh, you know, to hell with, you know, whatever is age appropriate. We're not sitting through, you know, I love it. Or something like that. Like you're, you know, you're going to watch seven. So that being said, I could sort of say the same thing for Alfred Hitchcock where, uh, 
sort of seeing that some of your inspirations are coming from his yeah. uh, lay of the land and, you know, Absolutely. some of the stuff he wrote back in the past, like, yeah. how did that happen? Like, how did uh, Alfred Hitchcock sort of become the inspiration to like what you're putting out right now? I think that's what you mentioned, right? Yeah, um, not so much Alfred Hitchcock, but I do love, I do, you know, love it. Uh, I guess you said Hitchcockian is what it was. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, sure. Okay, now I get what you're saying. Yeah, so like Hitchcockian is how I, you know, explain it because it's, you know, a slow burn, you know, okay. you see things, you know, like if you take Psycho, for example, and you see, you know, Norman Bates is the voyeur, and you kind of get a sense that nothing, you know, something's not right here, this guy's off, you know, and then you see uh, Marion, you know, you see you get murdered, obviously, you don't know who who does it, but then, you know, it's the, the tension is ratcheted up throughout it. And, and um, so that's what I, you know, he, he really inspired me, you know, master of suspense. And for this pilot, it is that slow burn. It takes place primarily over one night in 1993. This young man is working alone uh, at an auto repair garage at the graveyard shift. And this mysterious older man shows up. And as soon as this older man shows up, things start going wrong. You know, things start breaking. You know, and the, we get the sense that you know, this guy's intentions are off, but the main character, Eugene, doesn't, and then it, you know, the tension gets ratcheted up, 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 and then it, you know, builds to this big climax, and um, yeah, so the kind of, that was the, um, you know, the, the Hitchcockian inspiration uh, there, and, you know, R.I.P. Yeah, can you, I'm hoping that you can be, like, the next Charlie Brooker, and <laughs> bring back, like, old-school Black Mirror, I, yeah, <laughs> I would love nothing more. Yeah, so this anthology series will be a little different because you know Black Mirror. You know some of those episodes are feature length. You know, mm -hmm. math and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, some some are forty five minutes. They go you know, and some of them however long it takes to get through Bandersnatch. Um, and this one will be more like Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, right. where it's yeah. a thirty minute. You know, every episode's different. All the actors are different. The stories are all different. Um, you know, and even the genre, they're not all this like Hitchcockian mystery suspense thriller. Some of them are dark comedies. One's a really demented romance film, a uh, romance episode, romantic drama. Uh, some are, you know, kind of like a gothic psychological thriller horror. Um, yeah, so, but all in that like 30 minutes. So I think people really go for it because it's, you know, um, yeah, it's not really being done, you know, and people, you know, people love Twilight Zone for that exact reason. You get these really kind of um, amazing stories in a, in a truncated amount of time. So yeah, it's digestible. It sounds exactly. Like. That's what we endeavor to do. So, you know, yeah. as I get older, it's one of the things I appreciate more whenever I see like some things longer than yeah. 30 minutes, I start to get a little like, uh, and then the exactly. amount of time that it is from that, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it can be like intimidating. And especially if it's something where, you know, if it falls into that slow burn category, I think like having it be within the 30 minute runtime is to its advantage because even if it kind of slow, you know, you are the audience, I believe, will forgive something that kind of takes a couple minutes to to get into it. They're not expecting, you know, everything to happen immediately. And but they look at a 30 minute runtime, they're like, okay, this needs to go somewhere. This is gonna be two hours of this. Like, okay, let's mm -hmm. see where this goes. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Given, you know, people, given people, you know, uh 
great storytelling for, you know, ADD curious people, I guess. ADD yeah. curious. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to claim that right now. Um, <laughs> so are you, are you writing all of these like works yourself and then you're figuring yeah. out where to place like the camera, what shots you're going to get, like what the aspect ratio is going to be, like the cuts, like how are you able to do, actually it's kind of a question I have for like, um, oh my God, what's what's the uh, super old guy that's still making movies, the one that did Grand Torino that my dad. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I always wonder yeah. that about like the Clint Eastwood sure. and you know, anyone that's really like a director and writer of like their own movie, like how are they sure. able to do all this stuff? Right. I mean, first off, I will say I don't do all of it. Okay. Um, you don't, you know, I'm, I, I work with amazing collaborators and that's right. part of what uh, I love about film is that it is a collaborative medium. So, you know, what you said about, yes, in the scripts I write, you know, I put in uh, camera angles and sort of camera movements in there, which I've heard from some people is kind of a no-no, but I like it because as the director, I want to, you know, give the people, you know, not everyone that's reading it may necessarily have had a conversation with me before, and they may not have a conversation with me afterwards. I may, the only bite at the apple I may get with some of the, the people reading the script uh, is, you know, them reading, you know, the script. So, um, I should rephrase that. The only bite of the apple I have for someone, you know, encountering what this film could be is reading the script. So I want to give them kind of like where, you know, how I envisioned this, you know, if they were watching it and, you know, and hopefully they kind of understand the choices that I'm making for some of the camera angles and camera movements and so forth because they're reading the script at the same time so it's kind of like oh this is an intentional choice here this isn't just you know him pontificating on you know whatever so uh yeah that comes from just you know watching a ton of films and you know just experience with making a ton of films and uh just an appreciation of trying to do something different and really kind of getting into the world of what this film will be like in the writing stage. You know, in terms of the aspect ratio and so forth, uh, some of that comes from me, what I, this upcoming pilot, I'm insisting we shoot it on anamorphic. Um, I linked up with a great, amazing DP and he, you know, totally gets it and, you know, is able to run with that. So, but a lot of, you know, some of the decisions on, you know, composition or, you know, lighting and stuff that really falls under the, the director of photography's purview. Obviously he runs everything by me and we change it, you know, to match my vision as needed. But, um, you know, just picking a great collaborator that really understands the, the script and the material and what ultimately we're aiming to do and a lot of conversations and we break down the script scene by scene. And it's like, what is the emotional crux or what are you trying to convey with this individual scene and building uh, shots around that. There's a number of shots that I have that I'm stealing from, you know, a variety of different sources just because I'm obsessed with them and, you know, it really speaks to me and I think it's perfect for it. But, you know, anyone can really, you know, kind of pilfer from here and there, but, you know, I wanted to come from, um, you know, really be anchored in, in the writing and, you know, what I'm ultimately trying to uh, realize with this project and, you know, communicating that and having the DP communicate what I just said back to me and, you know, us, you know, coming to that understanding and then going from there. And it's a similar thing with any collaborator, whether it's the production designer, whether it's the editor, you know, it's really just kind of 
not only do they, you know, viewing their previous work and saying, you know, you can obviously handle this material, but, um, you know, the, our, do our tastes align? Uh, do we have kind of the same reference points? I've worked with very talented people before, but, you know, if they're really into action films, their sensibilities, you know, are very different than what I tend to make. And, you know, we can be great friends and be great, um, you know, film friends and talk about films. And I love action films, don't get me wrong, but that's, if that's not what I'm trying to make, you know, it's not a good collaboration. So, you know, just really doing your research and, um, you know, casting a wide net and uh, not being afraid to turn down someone that maybe, maybe they have great credits, but, you know, it just, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like the partnership um, on this project will work out. And, you know, that isn't to say, anyone has failed or anyone isn't the, you know, um, you know, is a bad person or anything. It's just, you know, the collaboration, you know, may not be right in this and, you know, keep in touch and maybe there's something that, you know, works better uh, down the line. So I hope that answers it. I know it can be kind of, <laughs> may have been a scattershot answer. No, it's okay. Have you ever seen a, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and you may have seen like the meme and he has like the lines pointing like to everywhere, like right. I have seen that, yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I, I think more information is better than, yeah, you know, less cool. information. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So getting close to wrapping up, one of the bigger <laughs> questions I want to sort of get out there um, before we go into like, what's your next thing that you're going to work on is, um, have you noticed any differences like with, you know, film and writing pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic? Like how has uh, the new way of the land reshaped like how you're doing things as far as film, TV, and writing? In terms of what I've am making, or in terms of what I've seen, and you know the mainstream making, working with people, just getting your work out there. Has there been any difference? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's certainly a difference in just you know what it's like on a set. You know, you have to do mm. testing, and um, you know actors are hyper you know, hyper aware and hyper conscious of, you know, testing and protocols because, you know, if they get sick, that's, you know, they're out of work and they can't, you know, uh, it's just, they can't get sick. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, obviously that and, you know, being mindful and also just being mindful of people's comfort level of even if people are, uh, you know, have tested and stuff like that. Like some people are a bit funny about there being too many people in the room and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, disperse some of, you know, like your uh, first camera assistant, you know, have a, you know, him pulling focus and, you know, stuff from, uh, you know, in the hallway instead of in the room or something. Um, in terms of getting film out there, I think it's really, uh, I mean, it's certainly different for me because it kind of, um, the uh, obscene phone call short I mentioned, that was my first, uh, you know, real foray into doing something specifically for YouTube and, you know, just kind of an experiment in audience building and, um, you know, kind of like an immediate call and response of putting things out there and, you know, just seeing how it lands with people. So just from personal experience, it was a bit uh, transformative in that way. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you look at something like Warner Brothers and uh, partnership with HBO Max and then kind of doing the simultaneous releases on HBO Max of, you know, big budget films and, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's of the world uh, being, you know, 
you could say rightfully upset that they, you know, it goes to HBO Max uh, much sooner when he would rather be a theatrical release. Mm -hmm. So, um, but in, you know, in terms of lasting impacts outside of, you know, uh, testing and, you know, COVID protocol on set and just kind of people being more mindful of that, and, you know, like half services is different, you know, like there's not as much like food that people, you know, it's very individually, you know, portioned out now. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I go to the movies, the theater all the time, and it's very regularly packed. I saw Decision to Leave last night at an AMC and very packed. Um, you know, obviously Top Gun doing huge numbers, that theater was packed, I saw it. So, uh, you know, everyone I think likes to, you know, uh, prognosticate that, you know, it's the death of film and streaming has completely replaced it. And I mean, maybe I just, you know, run in very uh, theater experience focused circles, but, um, you know, I mean, it's not dead yet and long may it wave. Oh, I want to pick that apart later, but yeah, yeah just yeah, streaming versus uh, you know, you know, going to the theater and stuff like that. Yeah. But that that yeah. would be. Brilliant. I mean, there's a place for all of it, you know, and I've certainly seen my share of amazing films that I would not have seen in the theater. Mm. You know, like I, tons of Criterion films I've seen, you know, at home on theater, obscure stuff, just random stuff you put on, and even you know, just amazing stuff that I find on streaming services randomly. So it's not to, you know, cast dispersions on it. It's great, but, you know, there's no replacing the, the theater experience. I feel like some of the most significant film experiences I've had have been on, have you ever heard of like IFC? Sure. IFC entertainment back in the day? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I would, uh, so I had like a completely different experience growing up where my parents didn't want us to watch anything. So like they, oh, would, okay. they would like password protect the TV and everything, oh, wow. okay. but super late at night, I would like sneak downstairs and then yeah. I knew the password and I would okay. go on IFC television awesome. and just watch like the craziest thing for a 12 year old. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it, you know, it, it finds you, you know, whatever way mm -hmm. it can, you know, like it's, if it's, you know, yeah. Cause I think if you, you know, if you seek it there, you will, you know, figure it out. So. Right on. Um, yeah. So as we're wrapping up, we yeah. want to just talk a little about what's the biggest thing you have on the horizon. My yeah. This pilot that I'm shooting um, in <clears throat> February. So we're in the process of shopping it around, have some pitches coming up um, with some studios and network uh, streaming services and stuff like that. So hopefully that goes well, but uh, the reason we're shooting it independently is just to have something that people can watch and really, you know, digest and understand what the vision for this series is by watching it, as opposed to reading, you know, a number of scripts and kind of having to, you know, look at the pitch deck and hear me talk about it. They can really, you know, watch 30 minutes of this and um, uh, get a, you know, a great understanding of where the, the rest of the episodes will go. So that's definitely the biggest project. Um, also working on, you know, we have some feature scripts out there in various stages of development. And, you know, um, and once I'm done wrapped up with this project, this pilot, I'm going to, uh, finish up this uh, feature script that I've been writing for, for a minute now and um, hopefully get that out there. So hopefully that'll be coming to the screen at some point, but yeah. So those, you know, biggest one though, pilot. You're really making me want to get back into writing. Good, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I want to get back to writing about comedies as well. 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's amazing. You should be doing them. I mean, you know, you should be writing them and you should be shooting them and putting them out there. I mean, the world needs more, more black comedies. It's, you know, it's, yeah. Maybe. I just didn't know where to really send it. So that part was like, ah, I'll go figure something else out. But maybe the internet is a great, <laughs> the internet is a great tool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not exactly one to speak because, you know, I, I think the films I have on my YouTube channel are, are pretty cool. And, you know, people mm -hmm. seem to like them. The numbers kind of suck. My subscriber numbers aren't great, but people seem to like them. And when you get comments from strangers on the internet and you get subscribers from people you've never met and you know it's really it's crazy to like you know um forge you know some sort of connection with people so you know keep putting stuff out there keep you know give it another shot talking about the youtube channel where can people sort of go to like look at your stuff i think you might have mentioned the youtube before but yeah uh, youtube.com slash aleatory uh the app simple l e a t o r y and then my website is salonbrendan.com, salon like the Parisian salon, Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. So I can draw, I can send you some links to those. Yeah, that, that'll be actually pretty amazing. So I can watch your stuff tonight and be yeah, one of the strangers commenting on your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I would love that. I would love to hear, you know, what you think of it. Right on. All right. Uh, thank you so much for doing this with us. This was super enjoyable and brought yeah. out the writer in me. <laughs> awesome. I, yeah, I did that. Then the night was a success. So right. thank you so much for having me. I really loved this. this was no, fun. it was great. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, bye.